0: So, good morning, uh, everyone. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I I really don't know there was some problem in the connection, I presume. I was, in fact, even trying to, uh, you know, send messages in the chat box, but even those were not uh, getting delivered. I I couldn't see them. So, um, I'm sorry about that, and uh, I'm just going to continue my uh, lecture and, uh, you know, send the rest of it to you as a podcast so that... uh, you don't have any um, uh, you know um, problem with uh, the continuation in the lecture so um, i think i stopped at the point when i talked about how uh, reading of literature becomes so important to be able to create order and i gave you the example of uh, you know various um, uh, you know parts of a chain and uh, you know all those uh, those those grids in the chain uh, they have their own significance but unless they are interlocked into one They would not have any sense of order. So that's what actually literature attempts to do. It brings about, uh, you know, through dialogue, narrative, uh, plot, characters, actions. It brings about an order. It brings about a sequence. And, uh, you know, that uh, is is very important and desirable for legal argument. Uh, So, um, you know, reading literature enables you to bring about a certain kind of a logical sequence between ideas and that becomes uh, helpful uh, to be able to uh, carry on that uh, you know, when you're talking about legal arguments uh, because we do understand that um, a legal argument has to be based on uh, you know, very uh, strong uh, logical sequences and also um, you know, this, this appeal to uh, a reality and how everything has to be so certain and they have to be linked one to another um uh, you know another I- aspect of uh, you know how literature can help to cultivate and educate uh, you know the the legal sensibilities is that you know when describing facts of a case um it is very necessary to compose pieces of evidence to form a story um a- and as i uh, you know said in my lecture earlier uh, the uh, you know legal arguments and even judgments and sometimes facts of a case they almost read as a story and they actually have to form a story. So, uh, you know, that is what you always have, you know, for example, in a proposition, A went to meet B in his house and uh, C was also present and... uh, you know there was an altercation and this is what happened and ultimately uh, you know it was discovered that B was lying in a pool of blood so uh, you know there is the attempt at creating a story by uh, composing pieces of evidence and that's how you present it uh, in the facts of a case so uh, you see how the relationship between storytelling and narrative which we find in literature is also related to uh, this aspect that you find in uh, you know, in in law. And uh, reading literature helps you to develop these sensibilities. It helps you to be able to compose pieces of evidence, give it a certain kind of, uh, uh, you know, an order, bring about a certain kind of persuasiveness in what you you write. And uh, literature can be a very important aid to that. Um, Another aspect or another, uh, you know, aid or help that literature gives uh to uh, you know the you know the whole um idea of uh, writing uh, legal judgments etc is that it brings about persuasiveness of decisions you know uh, we do understand that uh, judgments and decisions they have to be very persuasive in the manner in which they're written uh and of course it comes from legal argument it comes from uh you know backing up with evidence etc but persuasiveness of decisions is very important and that also can come about through reading of literature because, uh, you know, even as a, as a reader of a novel or a short story or a play, uh, the reader has to be convinced about the reality of the characters, about the, uh, you know, the, the credibility of the plot and, uh, you know, that process of bringing about a certain kind of a persuasiveness in literature can also be transferred into persuasiveness of decisions. Uh, Going back to my earlier point, I just wanted to note, uh, you know when uh, we were talking about composing pieces of evidence to form a story, Neil uh, McCormick Neil McComick. I'm repeating the name. He called it narrative coherence. You know, so you see narrative coherence. Otherwise, uh, you look at narrative coherence in terms of a story or in terms of literature. And what is narrative coherence? The manner in which the story is told has to have a certain kind of coherence. It has to be so closely knit and tied up together that there is this element of you know, credibility, this is element of persuasiveness, this is element of, you know, logical sequence, and that is what is very importantly uh, conveyed through, uh, you know, these uh, various aspects of reading literature. Uh, Benjamin Cardozo, you know, he also uh, says that... uh you know, uh, reading literature helps, uh, you know, legal personalities or legal legal personages to build up an architecture of reasons, he calls it, quote unquote, an architecture of reasons, okay, and we do understand that, uh, you know, whenever we read any aspect of law, (coughs) there is always the cause and the effect, the why and the wherefores, which means, uh, you know, there can be nothing coming out of thin air. There always has to be a reason for a certain thing. That is what we study when we talk about provocation of crime. Why was the crime committed? And the how was it committed comes later, you know. So why was it? What was the provocation? So there is an architecture of reasons actually that has to be constructed, uh, you know, like an architect would construct, you know, the, found the you know the building. And uh, the the legal personage has to construct this architecture of reasons, and that he can also very very, uh, you know, d- easily do by reading literature because literature gives you a certain pleasurable. Manner in which you can construct these reasons and you can put things together, because what you uh, what you understand is that uh, it's it, it's very essential to bring about credibility, and that's through logical argument, through persuasiveness. because credibility is just very very important, and that credibility can be developed. That sensibility of credibility can be developed through reading literature. Um, Cardozo, you says that if you uh, develop this architecture of reasons, it will ensure clear arrangement, comprehensibility and literary quality of judicial decisions. So he says, you know, it's not just that you read something uh, in literature and then you very vaguely, you know, put it together. That architecture has to be built upon, you know, very important principles and he says if you build them on this kind of sustained reading of literature, you'll be able to bring about clear arrangement, it's very important. For logical, um, you know, argument in in, uh, in uh, legal terms, a clear arrangement is very important. That is why uh, we look at uh, judgments. We look at how facts are presented. We look at how a lawyer presents his case. Clear arrangement is very important. Arrangement of the facts. Yes, arrangement of um, you know different facts according to their importance. The most important first, and the second, third followed by uh, the others. So that brings about clear arrangement with clear arrangement you have comprehensibility. If you arrange your facts so very clearly, you'll be able to have this uh, very important element of comprehensibility. You'll be able to understand very clearly and see how this uh, whole thing that is being presented actually in literature through the narrative, this is being translated into, uh, you know, legal work. This is being translated into texts which are legal, uh, judgments which have, uh, you know, such an important bearing Or not not just that case, but also as a precedent to be able to talk about uh, so many other aspects of the case. And of course, uh, the literary quality of judicial decisions, Uh, you know, literary quality is also essential, although there are people who say that, you know, judgments shouldn't be verbose, they shouldn't be so long, they shouldn't be so, (coughs) you know, so so elaborate, but the fact is that um, uh, judgments do have a literary quality. You know, and uh, when you talk of ju- uh, you know when you talk of uh, literary quality, uh, not just of judgments, but of course of the of the ju- uh, of the decisions, and then followed by the manner in which they're written. That is why probably we have them written in you know a certain literary manner, in an elaborate manner, uh, because it helps. Uh, to understand uh, you know the uh, you know the whole import that you know literature forms sort of a bedrock i've often given you an examples of um, uh, you know justice um, uh, you know um, denning and <coughs> you know he said that most of the um, uh, you know uh, all the most of the knowledge that i got about uh you know law was actually through reading of literature, through reading poetry, through reading uh, other works because it developed the skills of writing, skills of uh, uh, you know his ability to be able to construct sentences etc and that becomes so very essential in law. Uh, Another important thing is you know that vocabulary can also improve along with sentence structure formation and expression and we do understand that in legal uh, terms every word, every alphabet every punctuation mark, every sentence structure has a very important bearing. It changes the meaning of the uh, you know of the whole uh, you know of the sentence or it changes the tone of uh, uh, you know and the emotion of the manner in which the sentence it depends on the manner in which the sentence is written. So vocabulary can improve and sentence structure formation and expression become so important. They are so Essential. They're so intrinsic to uh, the whole legal profession, and we're not just talking about writing judgments. We're talking about presenting facts of the case. We're talking about arguments in court. Everything requires that kind of use of vocabulary, sentence structure, etc., which will bring about a certain kind of expression uh, to the words in which uh, to the words that you are using. Okay and then I now just have around one or two more points uh, left to discuss Uh, literature also helps in developing creativity and this can be helpful while writing decisions while presenting the case now um, you know creativity um, most often is you know just associated with certain uh, disciplines with certain subjects which you know uh, deal with you know humanities or with art and design etc but creativity is something that just goes beyond you know creativity is there probably in every field and uh, when you talk of creativity is you know thinking out of the box uh, looking at things uh, you know not in a uni dimensional manner but in multi dimensional ways and uh, you know literature helps in developing that creativity you know, when you examine, for example, a character like Meursault from the novel, uh, uh, you know, The Outsider, uh, you'd examine how uh, you know Albert Camus has been so creative in you know in constructing the whole paradigm of that character and his interaction with the law that you look at law in a very different way. You open up your mind to be able to understand what is prison reform, what is, um, you know. Uh you know, to what extent do people have to be punished and what is punitive punishment what is reform and what is law and morality and the creative manner in which he has used his work to be able to present those ideas uh, can always help even in the legal profession, to be able to develop and to be able to write decisions which are very creative. Because, see, creativity doesn't mean that, you know, uh, you you have to do something that's very artistic. But yes, it means uh, to be able to do something or to make something that is new. And um, often, uh, you know, the criticism against a lot of, uh, you know, decisions in, in, in the judiciary are that, you know, they're very often you know repetitive, they're repeats of many other decisions that have come, etc. So probably to be able to remove that kind of a thing uh, creativity is important and creativity can come through literature. Now here I must stress that creativity cannot only come from literature it just can be, it can come from so many other things. But literature is one tool, it can really help, it can assist in this whole idea of making, uh, you know, law more creative, more broad-based, more um, organic, so to speak, you know, where things develop in a certain, uh, you know, in a certain manner and uh, not being artificial or not just being, you know, sticking two things or three things together and saying, okay, that this is a decision. It has to be organic, it has to be creative and that's how literature helps, okay. And of course, last probably is, um, you know, uh, literature also helps including use of decorative and ornamental elements in in law of course uh, we are not talking of uh, using ornamental and decorative elements uh, You know more than is necessary but when you talk of ornament we are talking of using that kind of language which is beautiful and which is um, not only beautiful but it is beautiful and also conveys uh, the exact feeling and the emotion and the the fact that you really want to convey and that is why you'd see probably a lot of decisions and a lot of uh, uh, judgments have references to Shakespeare and to Milton and to uh, you know many other Indian texts also. So you see, uh, using ornament and being decorative uh, and using these elements also add to the beauty of judgments. And uh, they don't only perform uh, the function of being ornamental or just being decorative, but they have to be at the same time very forceful, very apt and and uh, they have to follow that kind of a tra- trajectory in which you know the judgment is embellished it is more it is made more beautiful and more effective not just beautiful yes but more effective by the use of a particular kind of language and that's how probably uh, you know this whole uh, you know this whole discipline of law and literature have uh, you know come together so with that i uh, end my lecture and um, i hope i've been able to uh, you know, convey all the aspects in terms of theory in terms of uh, practice uh, through the examples of the text that I've given you, and the last capsule that we had today, um, you know sorry interrupted though uh, but the last capsule that we had today was that how um, uh, you know uh, the reading of literature can help to cultivate and also to be able to develop, uh, you know, uh, this whole, um, you know, sensibility, this whole idea cultivating and educating uh, the the legal personage in, uh, you know, these sensibilities, the improving your legal sensibilities through intervention of literature, through reading literature and through understanding and expression for logical argument, for bringing about a certain order, for bringing about creativity and the sense of expression, composition the use of a, uh, appropriate vocabulary, sentence structures and of course even using language in an ornamental and a decorative manner. Uh, thank you so much and uh, uh, we meet now in our next class. Thank you. Um, good evening everyone and um, uh, as I, um, I you know, promised that I would Um, Good evening, everyone. And, um, uh, you know, just like I uh, promised, uh, since many of you uh, have gone, uh, you know, to appear for the net exam uh, and were not able to attend the class, so I'm just recording this podcast uh, for the benefit of those who uh, could not attend the class. Uh, I'm pretty sure that um, all of you would have done well in the exam, uh, but of course an exam Um, is is good, only as good as uh, the result is. So it's going to be a wait and I'm sure, um, uh, you know, know, the results would be good. Uh, So today um, I'm going to begin with, um, you know, the section, uh, which is um, introduction uh, to literary genres, rather the paper, and the section which is, um, or the unit rather, unit two, which is Metafiction and uh, I'll be, uh, you know, doing the part on metafiction and also uh, the unit on um, the comic books. Um, uh, Of course, I've already delivered my lecture in the class today and I cannot, uh, you know, completely claim that uh, this would be, uh, you know, um, exactly, uh, you know, like uh, uh, the the lecture that I delivered in the morning, but I try my best and uh, uh, you know, to use as much fidelity as possible, so that I am able to, uh, you know, give you uh, the benefit of whatever I taught in the class in the morning. Um, I began uh, in the morning, too, by uh, reading out from, uh, you know, the syllabus and, uh, you know, the introductory paragraph, uh, which says that uh, the people will introduce students to some of the new genres that have overwhelmed the postmodern literary space. Okay? Uh, look, uh, you know, examine the use of the word overwhelmed. You know, overwhelmed is, you know, when uh, something comes, you know, so, um, so as to make you confused, or so as to make, uh, you know, it's so, um, you know, large in its expanse that, uh, you know, for a moment you're, you know, just put out of gear. So, uh, you know, the postmodern literary spaces had these kind of genres, which were unusual, which were very different, and uh, they make up for interesting study. Um, you know, there are another two things that I mentioned in the syllabus, is uh, that, you know, the effort of, um, uh, you know, this uh, paper is to provide you a brief overview Of the distinctive innovativeness and basic characteristics of the genre. So see a very important aspect of any genre is its distinctive innovativeness. I mean how innovative it is it, you know, how new, how does it address, uh, you know, certain issues that are very very common in in, in literature and also obviously understanding its basic characteristics. So um, Today, when we discuss uh, metafiction, uh, we are, uh, you know, going to try to do exactly what your syllabus intends, and that is understand the basic characteristics of metafiction, and also its distinctive innovativeness. You know, how is it different, say, from other genres, or how, uh, you know, does uh, it, um, um, you know, answer certain questions, etc. So these are the things actually going to be examined. Okay. Uh, before I, uh, you know, go into uh, the essay. Uh, you know, which is uh, uh, a part of a larger book. It's a chapter, actually, from uh, the 1984 book of Patricia Waugh, which is Metafiction, The Theory and Practice of Self-Conscious Fiction. All right. So that's the title of um, the, uh, you know, the the book. And uh, you see a very important, uh, thing that's there in the book is uh, the title of the book is self-conscious fiction Okay, so we're going to look at metafiction uh, you know as being self-reflexive as being self-conscious as being uh, you know inward uh, looking etc uh, when we do the characteristics and we do um, you know the different aspects of metafiction um, you know Patricia war is um, you know she's a fellow of the British Academy and she's uh, uh, you know uh, born in the 1950s which uh, makes her uh, contemporary uh, she's a professor of literature at Durham U- uh, University and uh, uh, you know she's 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 a brilliant um, uh, you know um, intellectual historian and uh, you know she joined the university and uh, became a professor in a very short while because of her uh, academic brilliance and um, Patricia War is otherwise you know a literary critic as I mentioned she's an intellectual historian and you know she's a leading specialist in modernist a uh, postmodernist literature feminist theory intellectual history and uh, post-war fiction and its political context okay so these are the broad areas uh, in which um, you know she's published books and uh, you know delivered a lot of lectures and uh, you know her work has uh, you know a kind of an expanse and has a kind of depth which is uh, quite incredible Um, she is you know one of the first along with Linda Hutchin to work and write on metafiction. In fact, uh, you know Patricia Waugh is considered to be almost uh, you know the pioneer uh, in working on uh, you know this question of metafiction. Uh, Patricia War is also uh, deeply interested in science and um, has done a lot of work on uh, you know climate change and literature. And uh, you know for most of the time we would think that uh, you know the sciences and the humanities and the languages are so disparate uh, in terms of entities, in terms of concerns that the Address, uh, but um, you know, uh, Patricia Waugh seems to be doing um, uh, you know a very I- intelligent and a very um, appropriate amalgamation of even science and literature. Um, you know, you'd see when you read the um, uh, the essay, uh, you'll find all kinds of cross references. Uh, to, uh, you know, uh, nuclear physicists and to Bakhtin and to Sashore and others. And it just shows the wide kind of expanse that, uh, you know, War has. And uh, the essay, uh, you know, uh, is is very interesting and it, uh, uh, you know, it uh, it deals with great detail on this uh, question of what is metafiction and what does metafiction actually try to do, what does it try to achieve. Uh, now before i go uh, into more detail about how patricia war sort of you know discusses and describes metafiction uh, i just thought of um, you know giving you a very basic kind of a definition because you know actually metafiction uh, you know metafiction is uh is something that cannot be compartmentalized it's very difficult to give metafiction um you know, a singular kind of a definition, because there are just so many things in it. There's so many uh, characteristics, there's so many ways in which metafiction can be experimented with. So it's pretty difficult, actually, to give it a definition. But if we just try, uh, we can, you know, first examine the root of the word meta, or meta and that is Greek for after or beyond okay so uh, it is a sort of a transcendence uh, and it is going beyond it is going uh, you know beyond that uh, just the confines of fiction okay? um, if we had to or if I had to give you a very simple definition of meta fiction it's fiction that discusses uh, describes or analyzes a work of fiction or the conventions of fiction now uh, sometimes one would wonder that uh, you know this uh, definition doesn't sound anything like fiction it almost sounds like non fiction or it almost sounds like theory but an actuality uh, you know metafiction is that which really discusses analyzes and describes a work of fiction or the conventions of fiction. Okay, so you're moving away from just telling a story, or just uh, you know, crowding people around a plot, and you're actually analysing uh, the work, um, uh, and you're analysing um, the conventions of uh, fiction. Uh, there are some terms which are very uh, you know often used to describe contemporary metafiction. Uh, I mean, I'll just give you some of them. There are actually very many more. And, uh, you know, you could say that metafiction is self-conscious, as um, is indicative in uh, P- you know Patricia Wall's, uh, the title of a book itself. Uh, metafiction is introspective. It is introverted. It's even narcissistic at times. And it's auto-representational. Okay, so you see this whole idea of reflexiveness, yes, coming back uh, to an analysis of the work itself, okay. Uh, Now, when we talk of metafiction, uh, you know, it started or the term was rather coined in 1970, uh, you know, which makes it contemporary and new. But, uh, you know, the trends of metafiction are... uh, you know, very old, uh, you know, using these metafictional, um, you know, elements in a work are very old. Uh, you know, for example, we have it in, um, you know, uh, Canterbury Tales by Chaucer or, uh, you know, Cervantes' Don Quixote and uh, even Jane Austen's Northanger Abbey, uh, you know, has mention of writing the novel by her narrator. Okay. So, you see, you uh, this kind of thing in which you have the narrator coming in and you know telling him or telling uh, something about himself or herself and making the reader aware that you know uh, there is more to this work of fiction than just plot okay uh, in fact um, you know Dante is sometimes referred to as, you know, the first autobiographical uh, metafiction writer, you know, uh, because he wrote a work like, um, uh, you know, the Divine Comedy, in which we see Dante himself is actually looking at himself, although it's represented as, uh, you know, uh, the universal pilgrim, uh, and you know he's, you know, we know that it's Dante, and he's taken by Virgil on this journey. Uh, you know uh, to the afterlife while he's actually alive okay so um, uh, these things are um, you know pretty um, common and these these uh, elements are uh, you know are visible uh, so very many times in fact even uh, mythological works like the ramayana and the mahabharat you know uh, you, which were written by valmiki and ved vyas uh, you know they have the appearance of ved vyas and valmiki in the works themselves okay so uh, the, the work going sort of beyond, uh, you know, just being a creation of, uh, you know, Valmiki or uh, Ved Vyas. Okay, so, of course, there are very many conventions and these are just one of them. Okay, uh, John Barth, um, uh, you know, in fact, we have an essay of John Bath also in this um, unit. Uh, you know, he s- this says, you know, that, uh, or he describes metafiction as a novel that imitates a novel rather than the real world okay and this is actually the crux of the question of metafiction metafiction deals with actually the interpretation of the uh, of, of of the world or of reality okay and he says that you know a novel a metafiction is a novel that imitates a novel Rather than the real world. Okay, so uh, this is a very layered, um, you know, comment he makes on what actually metafiction is. It's like a, uh, you know, it's like a replication of another novel, rather than the real world. Although we do understand that uh, the novel and the real world are so closely tied together. Okay, uh, some more characteristics of uh, metafiction are intertextual references, um, allusions, and intertextual references. We do understand. Um, you know, very much a part of the postmodern uh, narrative. Um, allusions, uh, an allusion is a reference to another literary work which, uh, you know, also adds to intertextuality and uh, the richness of uh, plot and theme etc. You also have incorporation of theory and criticism. Okay, so this is also very important. Yes? Theory and criticism incorporated in work of fiction yes Um, and otherwise we would think that they are very disparate they're two uh, you know very separate entities on the one hand we have fiction and on the other hand we have say uh, you know uh, criticism and theory okay Uh, there are also um, you know characteristics like a creation of biographies of imaginary writers you know in metafiction, and you also have presenting and discussing fictional works of an imaginary character so you're discussing some other fictional work of some other imaginary character. Okay? So uh, you are moving away from a sort of a very conventional way of telling a story and putting uh, you know, uh, many more different elements. Okay? Um, they also uh, sometimes directly address the reader you know you'd see a lot of this in uh in uh, children's fiction also that there is a direct address okay and uh, we shouldn't confuse here with point of view of first person etc here there is a different kind of an addressing in which uh, you know the reader knows that uh, he or she is actually being addressed by the narrator. You also have, um, uh, you know, the the, uh, the writers or the authors involving themselves with fictional characters. There's a personal involvement with fictional characters. And uh, there's also a certain um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, in, in intrusion to comment on writing. Okay, So you uh, sort of are able to make out that there is, uh, you know, there is another entity which is actually the, you know, the, the creator of that work, who is either telling you, t- trying to tell you something, and, uh, you know, there's another uh, very important aspect which is trying to be told through metafiction, is that there is no singular truth, you know. S- truth is never singular. So just like the postmodern narrative, there is no meta metanarrative, uh, there is fragmentation, there is parody, pastiche, etc., because, uh, you know, there is... Nothing that can be declared as the only truth. And that's what actually, uh, you know, metafiction does. Um, Of course, uh, you know, um, metafiction also, uh, you know, examples are when, uh, you know, there is a person in... The book. Who is reading a book which is about the same story? Okay, so you see, there is a certain kind of a. Uh, sometimes it looks like a confusion, but it's actually a very, very, uh, you know, systematic device to be able to be self-reflexive. Yes, to be able to analyze the work and come back to it, uh, to be able to understand what is the interpretation of reality. Actually, that is the basic idea of metafiction. Is Uh, you know, why are you writing in such a manner? You're actually trying to determine what reality is. And uh, I mean, we do understand that, you know, this question of what is truth and what is reality is something that has been handled and been tackled by philosophers for ages. Yes, this whole uh, question of, you know, Spinoza and Descartes and everybody else, they're questioning or they're trying to make out what is uh, uh, reality what is the world outside the world of fiction Okay, so um, there are some more um, uh, uh, you know uh, techniques and characteristics I'll discuss them um, you know later uh, after we uh, do uh, you know the, the the essay so that we can come back uh, you know and compare notes when we uh, are you know in between somewhere and we can go back to some more characteristics of metafiction. Okay, so um, uh, you know now I'd want to um, uh, you know, draw your attention to the, uh, the the chapter that is in our syllabus. And uh, I mean, I really hope that, uh, you know, all of you, even if you're lif- listening to the podcast, you must have the text with you. And, um, you know, I, I teach uh, children who are much younger than you. Uh, they come, you know, after their two. And uh, whenever I do a short story or... Um, Uh, you know, or a play, or a poet, I always insist that the text should be there. The text is the field, uh, you know, which gives you an exact feel of what uh, the writer is trying to convey. So Patricia Waugh is telling you something, and she tells you something not through... Uh, you know, Harpreet Kaurvara. She's telling you something through the direct words that she uses in the text. Okay, And I presume that probably uh, you know, some of you would have read the entire work. I presume that some of you plan to read it. So the text is just very important. And uh, while I do it, uh, I think very essential for you to have the text to be able to follow along with me. Um, before I start, I just want to, you know, talk of three um, you know terms which are very important to understand metafiction and uh, these three terms are that metafiction is self-reflexive itself referential and self-conscious okay which means uh, there is uh, this uh, whole idea of bringing the theory and practice of writing back to the uh, writer and trying to analyze what the writer is trying to do in terms of interpretation of reality. Okay, how is it being interpreted and how is it being presented? Okay, um, I'd like to draw your attention to the title of um, uh, you know the essay or you know it's actually a chapter, and uh, look at the way um, you know Patricia War describes or you know she names the chapter, and uh, she says uh, you know what is metafiction. And why are they saying such awful things about it? Okay, So when you look at the title, um, you see that there is a certain uh, playfulness in it. Um, you know, she's asking uh, a serious question, but she ends up, uh, uh, you know, uh, saying a, a little playful thing about metafiction okay what is metafiction and why are they saying such awful things about it yes if if you read it like that yes it sounds um, you know like a complaint and yet uh, you can make out that her tone has got some kind of irony it's got some kind of playfulness in it and so we what are we going to expect is that for the uh, you know for the initial part of the essay uh, it, it's going to deal with the description what is metafiction? What does it entail? etc. And, uh, you know, the latter parts uh, are also going to talk of why people are making such a fuss about it. And uh, we do understand that whenever we have uh, anything uh, in that, that's new uh, in, in terms of genre, in terms of... Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, political ideas, anything that's new, uh, it initially brings a sort of a resistance around. And um, probably that's what happened with metafiction as well. And uh, Patricia Moore attempts, uh, you know, to very systematically explain and also dismantle uh, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, misgivings that uh, many critics and even writers have about, uh, have about metafiction. Uh, uh, the essay is written in a in a very uh, systematic and in a very um, you know uh, in, in a she, you know Patricia Ward tries to concretize the whole idea by you know beginning with some quotes and then explaining what metafiction is and then what are the uh, you know criticisms against it and uh, you know she does it in uh, in in a way that is you know uh, easy to understand and also um, you know there is a certain kind of a uh, depth in analysis when she, uh, you know, refers to various thinkers and various, uh, you know, people from other fields, etc. So I think uh, it would be, you know, delightful uh, to to uh, analyze the essay definitely, but to just read it is also, uh, you know, delightful. And uh, you know what Patricia Waugh talks about? She says whatever we do and however we understand metafiction, uh, the the bottom of it of course is is um, you know the question of what is reality and the second thing that is very very important is that it has to do with language, yes? so ultimately we're coming to this question of language, um, you know, as being, um, you know, the means and the only means probably to be able to understand what reality is. Okay, so um, the you know the essay begins with a question: What is metafiction? Okay, and she quotes or she gives four or five quotations, um, all of them um, disparate, different. But, uh, you know, after she, uh, you know, mentions the quotations, she's going to ask the reader, or tell the readers rather, uh, you know, of this common thread that, uh, you know, one can discern from all these quotations, okay? So I'll read... Um, I won't read all. I think I'll just leave out one. Most of them I would. Uh, and they're very interesting quotations. I'll begin with uh, Lawrence Stern's Tristram Shandy. This is a quotation on page 438. Yes. Just listen uh, to it carefully or read it along as um, I presume we have the text. The thing is this that of all the several ways of beginning a book, which are now in practice throughout the known world, I am confident my own way of doing it is the best. I am sure it is the most religious, for I begin with writing the first sentence and trusting to Almighty God for the second. Okay, So look at the humor and look at the um, irony as well. Okay, So Lawrence Stern says, you know, there are several ways of beginning a book. We are not even talking of writing a book. Yes, we're talking of beginning a book. And we do know that, um, you know, how beginnings of books become so important. Opening lines, you know, for example, of Anna Karenina. Um, So the beginning of the book is so important. And he said there are many ways, you know, which are followed throughout the world. But he says, I'm very confident that I'm doing it the best. And he says it's the most religious. Why? Because I begin with writing the first sentence. And trusting to Almighty God for the second, so this divine intervention, you just write the first sentence, and everything else will follow. Okay, so this is trust Shande. Shandy. Uh, the second quotation is. Uh, you know from the work Albert Angelo by BS Johnson and this is more this is sharp you know it begins with an expletive or it begins with fuck all this lying look what I'm really trying to write about is writing not all this stuff okay uh, you you can even look at uh, you know uh, the punctuation yes where is it, is not there where you think it should be and he says all this lying, you know, he said this is all lying, Whatever I am writing is actually a lie, he says what I am really trying to write about is writing not all this stuff, okay, so very contradictory things, what I am trying to write about is writing not all this stuff, So which means that um, a writer is always um, and is so often, Uh, You know, riddled with these questions of what to write, how to write, and when you look at it, when you examine it very carefully, it boils down to actually nothing but what is the writer, uh, you know, trying to interpret as reality, what is the writer trying to. Present as reality. I think that's the most important thing. Yes, I'll come to a detailed discussion of that after I read all the other quotations. And look at the third quotation. I find this the most um, interesting, and it is by Ronald Sukunik from *The Death of the Novel* and other stories. Okay, and um, you know this is what the writer says. Okay, he says, since I've started thinking about the story, I've gotten boils, piles. Eye strain, stomach spasms, anxiety attacks. Finally, I am consumed by the thought that at a certain point we all become nothing more than dying animals. So uh, just look at the way the writer is, uh, you know, examining his or her state of mind. Since I've started thinking about the story, we're not even talking about writing the story. And he says, since I've started thinking about the story i've gotten bi- um, i've gotten boils piles eye strains, stomach spasms and anxiety attacks yes? almost uh, becoming neurotic and uh, you know all the uh, mental uh, problems you know uh, you know manifesting themselves as physical ones okay and he says i think finally i am consumed by the thought that at a certain point we all become nothing more than dying animals okay? which means um, we actually come down to almost nothing at all because we're so consumed with this whole uh, you know this whole process of uh, you know creating a work and you know he uses the word I've just started thinking about the story. He hasn't even started writing about it. Okay, So um, this just you know takes me um, uh, to an interview which I read um, in last Sunday's uh, Tribune and this is an interview of Avni uh, you know, Doshi and we know that Avni Doshi's work you know, which is a girl in white cotton um, you know it's a 2020 novel and it has been it was long-listed for the booker and it has been shortlisted now so it's a debut novel and um, there's a lot of noise about it obviously because you know this young woman 38 year old is you know uh, you know tipped to be the booker you know so much uh, you know takes us uh, sort of a deja vu to arundhati roy you know debut novelist etc and um, when um, avni doshi was actually interviewed uh, you know she said that um, i mean uh, you know the process of writing is very, very uh, arduous. It's very difficult, and she said it took her seven years to write uh, the novel, and it took her eight drafts. Okay, and she says when she submitted eight drafts, each draft was different from the other and absolutely different. Okay, so she was trying to explain that the process of writing is essentially difficult, lonely, and. Uh, you know you don't know sometimes uh, most of the time probably where you're getting at that's why we have you know questions like writer's block and difficulty in writing etc so um in fact there was another question uh, that was asked to her in an interview and uh, you know the question was uh, is your work autobiographical right and uh you know she had to sort of uh explain very clearly that no I have a very you know because the novel is about a very uncomfortable relationship between a mother and a daughter unconventional and uncomfortable and she says no no I have a very you know comfortable relationship with my mother and she says no this is not autobiographical at all okay so um, you know why was that uh, anchor interested to know whether it was autobiographical or not was that because the old anchor and all readers probably are very interested to know Uh, you, you know, what is the reference of a particular writer's work, you know, and that brings us to the question of the reference of being, what is the reality upon which this work is based? And, you know, when we were children, we were taught a very simplistic definition of fiction that, you know, fiction is based on something that's not true or that's just imagined okay and that of course was a very oversimplistic uh you know essentialist kind of a definition because uh, uh you know we know that fiction can be based on so many things that are true so uh, you know when uh, avni doshi you know was trying to explain that you know, this is not autobiographical she was actually trying uh, you know to explain that uh, there are many worlds that, uh, you know, and there are many realities which fiction, uh, you know, tries to bring about. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Abdi Doshi is a, metaf- you know, is a you know is a writer who uses metafiction. That's not what I'm trying to say, because I, I haven't even read her book, so I wouldn't be able to comment. But the fact is that I'm trying to explain this question or this whole, um, you know, struggle that a writer has while uh, creating his or her work, and that's essentially so... Um, that's essentially so painful sometimes, so lonely at sometimes, and also, uh, you know, exciting at at many many other times. Kay? That's what probably the whole process of writing is all about. And when we examine metafiction, this is exactly what Patricia Woy is going to say: that metafiction examines this question of how is reality to be represented? Yes, in what way, and uh, what are the reference points? Okay, the last quotation. Um, That I'll take is, you know, from uh, the French Lieutenant's Woman and it's on page 86 to 87, of course, by John Fowles. Uh, We have, I think, uh, chapter 13 as one of the works uh, of the unit in metafiction and John Fowles, of course, uh, using metafiction in a very, very fine manner. Uh, So he says fiction is woven into all. I find this new reality or unreality more valid is yes, to at the use of this new reality or unreality okay so there is um you know in meta-fiction also this uh, playfulness this kind of uh, you know irony and uh, you know John Fowles saying you know fiction is woven into all into all you know and there is you know there uh, there has been someone who says you know that all fiction is meta fiction all right so um fiction woven into all and he says i find this new reality or unreality more valid right now um after examining you know this uh uh, all these quotations you know there's one which i've left out because i wouldn't be able to take each and every word of 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 the essay i would not be able to finish uh you know, then uh, you know, uh, Patricia Waugh begins with an analysis of the, uh, of these quotations. Okay, and she says that you know, if asked to point out the similarities amongst these quotations, and she uses the word disconcerting. You know, disconcerting selection of quotations and something is disconcerting when it unsettles you, when it, uh, you know, disturbs your sense of balance and peace or makes you very confused. And you'd find that these quotations are a mix of, uh, you know, being disconcerting and bordering on, uh, you know, a certain sense of being, uh, you know, unable to, uh, you know, write or even the first sentence on that page. So, uh, she says, you know, if you had to look at the similarities amongst these disconcerting selections of quotations, uh, she said that, you know, most readers would be able to find, um, you know, certain similarities which would be very, very visible. All right. Now, the first thing she says that all these quotations talk of a celebration of the power of the creative imagination. So, undoubtedly, um, you know creativity being celebrated a certain exuberance you know in the celebration of the power of creative imagination I mean many of you here must be writing poetry or planning to write short stories and uh, properly just you know knowing the fact that you can write um, you know, would probably just fill you with a sense of exuberance. So she says there is a celebration of the power of the creative imagination. And um, that's very important because uh, we see that in the quotations. But along with it, you see, uh, there is an uncertainty about the validity of its representation. So you see, on the one hand, you have an exuberance, you have a uh, you know, a celebration of the power of being creative, but you're also uncertain about the validity of the representation. Then this is what metafiction addresses, that what is the validity of the reality that a writer wants to present in fiction. Okay, So you'll always be uncertain about the validity. And whenever anyone is writing, uh, you know, uh, we have the writer's blog, And we have people, you know, giving up writing in between, throwing away their drafts, burning their papers, etc. You know, because they're not sure about themselves, and they're also not sure how the world would accept their representation of reality. And that's, uh, you know, the bottom of the whole idea of metafiction. Okay, so uh, uncertainty about these representations, the representation of reality through, of course, the use of, um, you know, or uh, the power of creative representation. Then she also says that there's another similarity between all the uh, quotations and she says that uh, it's, uh, you know, followed by an extreme self-consciousness about language, about literary form and the act of writing fiction. So she says if on the one hand you're, you know, always worried about how, uh, you know, your reality is going to be represented, you're also always self-conscious, see, um, As I said, self-conscious, self-reflexive, you know. So you're self-conscious about language. Uh, literary form and the art, uh, and the act of writing fiction. So, uh, you know, these are the very important things that a writer is, you know, often riddled with, you know, what kind of a language should I use? What literary form should be employed? And the act of writing fiction itself is so riddled with so many conundrums, so many, uh, you know, confusions and, uh, you know, so many contradictions that, uh, you know, Patricia War very um, systematically sort of brings about the similarities between all these uh, uh, quotations and uh, that you know shows uh, you know that she has been able to delineate that it is the celebration of the creative imagination at the same time it's the uncertainty of uh, the validity of these representations and also uh, an extreme you know she uses not self-consciousness she uses extreme self-consciousness about what. About language, uh, about uh, literary form, and the act of writing fiction. Okay? So, uh, you know, this is how she, you know, in a very systematic manner, she begins the essay. And of course, um, in the next paragraph, she's going to define, and that that um, definition of metafiction is is you know is so. Uh, you pervasive and so popular that if anybody had to define metafiction, they'd say that, you know, it would be defined in the manner in which Patricia War has done it. Okay. So um, this is what I did today um, in my class and um, I I hope I've been able to, you know, try to be as representative as possible. But, uh, you know, imitations are um, always fraught with their own uh, dangers and um, I hope I have not left out anything and uh, uh, please listen uh, you know to the podcast and uh, uh, try to understand it uh, well and while you do that please keep the text in front of you so that you know you're able to read you know, you know, in the language that Patricia War uh, wrote, and I think that is, uh, you know, uh, that's the way by which you'd be able to develop a certain mastery over the text. Um, so, um, I, I mean, I'll continue in my next class. Uh, thank you, and uh, I hope uh, you'd be able to come back with your. Uh, with you know your questions or your comments or any uh, you know discussion that we can also have after we um, you know finish or we are halfway through. Thank you, thank you so much to the class. Um, good evening, everyone. And um, uh, as I, um, I you know promised that I would. Um, Good evening, everyone. And, um, uh, you know, just like I uh, promised, uh, since many of you uh, have gone, uh, you know, to appear for the net exam uh, and were not able to attend the class, so I'm just recording this podcast uh, for the benefit of those who uh, could not attend the class. Uh, I'm pretty sure that um, all of you would have done well in the exam, uh, but of course an exam um, is, is, is good, only as good as uh, the result is. So it's going to be a wait and I'm sure um, uh, you know, they, uh, you know the results would be good. Uh, so today um, I'm going to begin with um, you know, the section uh, which is um, introduction uh, to literary genres, rather the paper, and the section which is, um, or the unit rather, unit two, which is Metafiction. And uh, I'll be, uh, you know, doing the part on metafiction and also on uh, the unit on um, the comic books. Um, uh, Of course, I've already delivered my lecture in the class today and I cannot, uh, you know, completely claim that uh, this would be, uh, you know, um, exactly, uh, you know, like uh, uh, the the lecture that I delivered in the morning. But I try my best and... uh, Uh, you know, to use as much fidelity as possible so that I am able to, uh, you know, give you uh, the benefit of whatever I taught in the class in the morning. Um, I began uh, in the morning, too, by uh, reading out from, uh, you know, the syllabus and, uh, you know, the introductory paragraph uh, which says that uh, the paper will introduce students to some of the new genres that have overwhelmed the postmodern literary space. Okay, uh, look, uh, you know, examine the use of the word "overwhelmed." You know, overwhelm is you know when uh, something comes, you know, so um, so as to make you confused, or so as to make uh, you know it's so um, you know large and its expanse that uh, you know for a moment you're you know just put out of gear. So, uh, you know, the postmodern literary spaces had these kind of genres, which were unusual, which were very different, and uh, they make up for interesting study. Um, you know, there are another two things that I mentioned in the syllabus, is uh, that, you know, the effort of, um, uh, you know, this uh, paper is to provide you a brief overview of the distinctive innovativeness and basic characteristics of the genre so see a very important aspect of any genre is its distinctive innovativeness i mean how innovative it is it you know how new how does it address uh, you know certain issues that are very very common in 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 literature and also obviously understanding its basic characteristics so um Today, when we discuss uh, metafiction, uh, we are, uh, you know, going to try to do exactly what your syllabus intends, and that is understand the basic characteristics of metafiction, and also its distinctive innovativeness. You know, how is it different, say, from other genres, or how, uh, you know, does uh, it, um, um, you know, answer certain questions, etc. So these are the things actually going to be examined. Okay. Uh, before I, uh, you know, go into uh, the essay. Uh, you know which is uh, uh, a part of a larger book it's a chapter actually from uh, the 1984 book of patricia waugh which is metafiction the theory and practice of self conscious fiction all right so that's the title of um, the you know the the book and uh, you see a very important uh, thing that's there in the book is uh, the title of the book is self-conscious fiction okay so we're going to look at metafiction uh, you know as being self-reflexive as being self-conscious as being uh, you know inward uh, looking etc when we do the characteristics and we do um, you know the different aspects of metafiction Um, you know Patricia War is um, you know she's a fellow of the British Academy, and she's uh, uh, you know uh, born in the nineteen fifties, which uh, makes her contemporary. Uh, she's a professor of literature at Durham University, and uh, you know she's 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 a brilliant you know. Um, Intellectual historian, and uh, you know she joined the university and uh, became a professor in a very short while because of her academic brilliance. And um, Patricia War is otherwise, you know, a literary critic. As I mentioned, she's an intellectual historian, and you know she's a leading specialist in modernist, a uh, postmodernist literature, feminist theory, intellectual history. And uh, post-war fiction and its political context okay so these are the broad areas uh, in which um, you know she's published books and uh, you know delivered a lot of lectures and uh, you know her work has uh, you know a kind of an expanse and has a kind of depth which is uh, quite incredible Um, she is you know one of the first along with Linda Hutchin to work and write on metafiction. In fact, uh, you know, Patricia was considered to be almost, uh, you know, the pioneer uh, in working on, uh, you know, this question of metafiction. Uh, Patricia War is also uh, deeply interested in science and um, has done a lot of work on, uh, you know, climate change and literature. And uh, you know, for most of the time, we would think that uh, you know, the sciences and the humanities and the languages are so disparate uh, in terms of entities, in terms of concerns that the Address, But, um, you know, uh, Patricia Waugh seems to be doing, um, uh, you know, a very intelligent and a very um, appropriate amalgamation of even science and literature. Um, You know, you'd see when you read the the essay, uh, you'll find all kinds of cross-references, Uh, to, uh, you know, uh, nuclear physicists and to Bakhtin and to Sashore and others. And it just shows the wide kind of expanse that, uh, you know, War has. And uh, the essay, uh, you know, uh, is is very interesting and it, uh, uh, you know, it uh, it deals with great detail on this uh, question of what is metafiction and what does metafiction actually try to do? What does it try to achieve? Uh, now, before I go uh, into more detail about how Patricia War sort of you know discusses and describes metafiction, uh, I just thought of um, you know giving you a very basic kind of a definition because you know actually meta uh, you know metafiction is uh, is something that cannot be compartmentalized. It's very difficult to give metafiction. Um, you know, a singular kind of a definition, because there are just so many things in it. There's so many uh, characteristics, there's so many ways in which metafiction can be experimented with. So it's pretty difficult, actually, to give it a definition. But if we just try, uh, we can, you know, first examine the root of the word meta, meta. Or meta, and that is Greek for after or beyond. Okay, so uh, it is a sort of a transcendence, uh, and it is going beyond. It is going, uh, you know, beyond that uh, just the confines of fiction. Okay, um, if we had to, or if I had to give you a very simple definition of metafiction, it's fiction that discusses, uh, describes, or analyzes a work of fiction or the conventions of fiction now uh, sometimes one would wonder that uh, you know this uh, definition doesn't sound anything like fiction it almost sounds like non fiction or it almost sounds like theory but an actuality uh, you know metafiction is that which really discusses analyzes and describes a work of fiction or the conventions of fiction. Okay, so you're moving away from just telling a story or just uh, you know crowding people around a plot, and you're actually analysing uh, the work, um, uh, and you're analysing um, the conventions of uh, fiction. Uh, there are some terms which are very uh, you know often used. To describe contemporary metafiction, uh, I mean, I'll just give you some of them. There are actually very many more, and uh, you know, you could say that metafiction is self-conscious, as um, is indicative in uh, P- you know Patricia Wars, uh, the title of a book itself. Uh, metafiction is introspective; it is introverted; it's even narcissistic at times, and it's auto-representational. Okay, so you see this whole idea of. Reflexiveness, yes, coming back uh, to an analysis of the work itself, okay. Uh, Now, when we talk of metafiction, uh, you know, it started, or the term was rather coined in 1970, uh, you know, which makes it contemporary and new, but, uh, you know, the trends of metafiction are... uh, uh, you know very old uh, you know using these metafictional um, you know elements in a work are very old uh, you know for example we have it in um, you know uh, Canterbury Tales by Chaucer or uh, you know Cervantes Don Quixote and uh, even Jane Austen's Northanger Abbey uh, you know has mention of writing the novel by her narrator okay so you see uh, this kind of thing in which you have the narrator coming in and you know telling him or telling uh, something about himself or herself and making the reader aware that you know uh, there is more to this work of fiction than just plot okay uh, in fact um, uh, you know, dante is sometimes referred to as uh, you know the first autobiographical uh, metafiction writer you know uh, because he wrote a work like um, uh, you know the divine comedy in which we see dante himself is actually looking at himself although it's represented as uh, you know uh, the universal pilgrim Uh, And you know, he's, you know, we know that it's Dante, and he's taken by Virgil on this journey, uh, you know, uh, to the afterlife while he's actually alive. Okay, so um, uh, these things are, um, you know, pretty um common and these these uh, elements are uh, you know are visible uh, so very many times in fact even uh, mythological works like the Ramayana and the mahabharata you know uh, you, which were written by valmiki and vedvias uh, you know they have the appearance of Ved vyas and valmiki in the works themselves okay so uh, the, the work going sort of beyond, uh, you know, just being a creation of, uh, you know, Valmiki or uh, Ved Vyas, okay? So, of course, there are very many conventions and these are just one of them, okay? Uh, John Barth, um, uh, you know, in fact, we have an essay of John Bath also in this um, unit. Uh, you know, he s- this says, you know, that, uh, or he describes metafiction as a novel, that imitates a novel rather than the real world okay and this is actually the crux of the question of metafiction metafiction deals with actually the interpretation of the uh, of, of of the world or of reality okay and he says that you know a novel a metafiction is a novel that imitates a novel rather than the real world okay so uh, this is a very layered Um, comment he makes on what actually metafiction is. It's like a, uh, you know, it's like a replication of another novel rather than the real world, although we do understand that uh, the novel and the real world are so closely tied together, okay? Uh, Some more characteristics of uh, metafiction are intertextual references, um, allusions, and intertextual references we do understand, um, Uh, you know, uh, very much a part of the postmodern narrative, Um, allusions, Uh, an allusion is a reference to another literary work, which, uh, you know, also adds to intertextuality and uh, the richness of uh, plot and theme, etc. You also have incorporation of theory and criticism, okay. So this is also very important, yes, theory and criticism incorporated in a work of fiction yes Um, and otherwise we would think that they are very disparate they're two you know very separate entities on the one hand we have fiction and on the other hand we have say uh, you know uh, criticism and theory okay Uh, there are also um, you know characteristics like a creation of biographies of imaginary writers you know in metafiction, and you also have presenting and discussing fictional works of an imaginary character so you're discussing some other fictional work of some other imaginary character. Okay? So uh, you are moving away from a sort of a very conventional way of telling a story and putting uh, you know, uh, many more different elements. Okay? Um, they also uh, sometimes directly address the reader you know you'd see a lot of this in uh, in uh, children's fiction also that there is a direct address okay and uh, we shouldn't confuse here with point of view of first person etc here there is a different kind of an addressing in which uh, you know the reader knows that uh, he or she is actually being addressed by the narrator. You also have, um, uh, you know, the the, uh, the writers or the authors involving themselves with fictional characters. There's a personal involvement with fictional characters. And uh, there's also a certain um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, in, in intrusion to comment on writing. Okay, so you uh, sort of are able to make out that there is, uh, you know, there is another entity which is actually the, you know the the creator of that work who is either telling you, you know, t- trying to tell you something and uh, you know there's another uh, very important aspect which is trying to be told through metafiction is that there is no singular truth you know S- truth is never singular so just like the postmodern narrative there is no meta narrative uh, there is fragmentation there is parody pastiche etc because uh, you know there is nothing that can be declared as the only truth and that's what actually uh, you know metafiction does um, of course uh, you know um, metafiction also uh, you know the examples are when uh, you know there is a person in the book who is reading a book which is about the same story? Okay, so you see there is a certain kind of a uh, sometimes it looks like a confusion, but it's actually a very very uh, you know systematic device to be able to be self reflexive. Yes, to be able to analyze the work and come back to it, uh, to be able to understand what is the interpretation of reality. Actually, that is the basic idea of metafiction. Is Uh, You know, why are you writing in such a manner? You're actually trying to determine what reality is and uh, I mean we do understand that you know this question of what is truth and what is reality is something that has been handled and been tackled by philosophers for ages. Yes, this whole uh, question of you know Spinoza and Descartes and everybody else they're questioning or they're trying to make out what is uh, uh, reality. What is the world outside the world of fiction? Okay, so um, there are some more, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, techniques and characteristics. I'll discuss them, um, you know, later uh, after we uh, do, uh, you know, the, the the essay, so that we can come back, uh, you know, and compare notes when we uh, are, you know, in between somewhere, and we can go back to some more characteristics of metafiction. Okay, so um, uh, you know, now I'd want to. Um, uh, you know, draw your attention to the, uh, the the chapter that is in our syllabus. And uh, I mean, I really hope that, uh, you know, all of you, even if you're lif- listening to the podcast, you must have the text with you. And, um, you know, I, I teach uh, children who are much younger than you. Uh, they come, you know, after their plus two. And uh, whenever I do a short story or... Um, uh, you know, or a play, or a poet, I always insist that the text should be there. The text is the field, uh, you know, which gives you an exact feel of what uh, the the writer is trying to convey. So Patricia Waugh is telling you something, and she tells you something not through... Uh, you know Harpreet Kaurav. She's telling you something through the direct words that she uses in the text. Okay, and I presume that probably uh, you know, some of you would have read the entire work. I presume that some of you plan to read it. So the text is just very important. And uh, while I do it, uh, I think very essential for you to have the text to be able to follow along with me. Um, before I start, I just want to you know talk of three um, you know terms which are very important to understand metafiction and uh, these three terms are that metafiction is self-reflexive itself referential and self-conscious okay which means uh, there is uh, this uh, whole idea of bringing the theory and practice of writing back to the uh, writer and trying to analyze what the writer is trying to do in terms of interpretation of reality okay how is it being interpreted and how is it being presented okay um i'd like to draw your attention to the title of um uh, you know the essay or you know it's actually a chapter and uh, look at the way um you know patricia war describes or you know she names the chapter and uh, she says uh, you know what is metafiction and why are they saying such awful things about it? Okay, So when you look at the title, um, you see that there is a certain uh, playfulness in it. Um, you know, she's asking uh, a serious question, but she ends up, uh, uh, you know, uh, saying a, a little playful thing about metafiction. Okay, what is metafiction, and why are they saying such awful things about it? Yes, if, if you read it like that, yes, it sounds um, you know like a complaint, and yet uh, you can make out that her tone has got some kind of irony, it has got some kind of playfulness in it. And so we, what are we going to expect? Is that for the uh, you know for the initial part of the essay, uh, it, it's going to deal with the description. What is metafiction? What does it entail? Etcetera. And, uh, you know, the latter parts uh, are also going to talk of why people are making such a fuss about it. And uh, we do understand that whenever we have uh, anything uh, that's new uh, in in terms of genre, in terms of... uh, you know, uh, political ideas, anything that's new, uh, it initially brings a sort of a resistance around. And um, probably that's what happened with metafiction as well. And uh, Patricia Moore attempts, uh, you know, to very systematically explain and also dismantle uh, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, misgivings that uh, many critics and even writers have about, uh, have about metafiction. Uh, uh the essay is written in a in a very uh, systematic and in a very um, you know uh, in, in a she, you know Ward tries to concretize the whole idea by you know beginning with some quotes and then explaining what metafiction is and then what are the uh, you know criticisms against it and uh, you know she does it in uh, in in a way that is you know uh, easy to understand and also um, you know there is a certain kind of a uh, uh, depth in her analysis when she, uh, you know, refers to various thinkers and various, uh, you know, people from other fields, etc. So I think uh, it would be, you know, delightful uh, to to uh, analyze the essay definitely, but to just read it is also, uh, you know, delightful. And uh, you know what Patricia Waugh talks about? She says whatever we do and however we understand metafiction the the bottom of it of course is is um, you know the question of what is reality and the second thing that is very very important is that it has to do with language, yes? so ultimately we're coming to this question of language, um, you know, as being, um, you know, the means and the only means probably to be able to understand what reality is. Okay, so um, the you know the essay begins with a question: What is metafiction? Okay, and she quotes or she gives four or five quotations, um, all of them um, disparate, different. But, uh, you know, after she, uh, you know, mentions the quotations, she's going to ask the reader, or tell the readers rather, uh, you know, of this common thread that, uh, you know, one can discern from all these quotations. Okay, So I'll read... Um, I won't read all, I think I'll just leave out one, most of them I would, uh, and they're very interesting quotations. I'll begin with uh, Laurence Stern's *Tristram Shandy. This is a quotation on page 438. Yes, just listen uh, to it carefully or read it along as um, I presume we have the text. The thing is this, that of all the several ways of beginning a book, which are now in practice throughout the known world, I am confident my own way of doing it is the best. I am sure it is the most religious. For I begin with writing the first sentence and trusting to Almighty God for the second. Okay? So look at the humor and look at the um, irony as well. Okay, So Laurence Stern says, you know, there are several ways of beginning a book. We are not even talking of writing a book. Yes, we're talking of beginning a book. And we do know that, um, you know, how beginnings of books become so important. Opening lines, you know, for example, of Anna Karenina. Um, So the beginning of the book is so important. And he said there are many ways, you know, which are followed throughout the world. But he says, I'm very confident that I'm doing it the best. And he says it's the most religious. Why? Because I begin with writing the first sentence and trusting to Almighty God for the second. So this divine intervention, you just write the first sentence and everything else will follow. Okay, so this is trust Shande. Uh, the second quotation is uh, you know from the work Albert Angelo by BS Johnson and this is more this is sharp you know it begins with an expletive or it begins with fuck all this lying look what I'm really trying to write about is writing not all this stuff okay uh, you, you can even look at uh, you know uh, the punctuation yes where it is not there where you think it should be and he says all this lying, you know, he said, This is all lying. Whatever I am writing is actually a lie. He says, What I am really trying to write about is writing not all this stuff. Okay, so very contradictory things. What I am trying to write about is writing not all this stuff, so which means that um, a writer is always um, and is so often. Uh, You know, riddled with these questions of what to write, how to write. And when you look at it, when you examine it very carefully, it boils down to actually nothing but what is the writer, uh, you know, trying to interpret as reality? What is the writer trying to? Present as reality. I think that's the most important thing. Yes, I'll come to a detailed discussion of that after I read all the other quotations. And look at the third quotation. I find this the most um, interesting, and it is by Ronald Sukenik from *The Death of the Novel* and other stories. Okay, and um, you know this is what the writer says. Okay, he says, since I've started thinking about the story, I've gotten boils, piles. Eye strain, stomach spasms, anxiety attacks. Finally, I am consumed by the thought that at a certain point we all become nothing more than dying animals. So uh, just look at the way the writer is, uh, you know, examining his or her state of mind. Since I've started thinking about the story, we're not even talking about writing the story. And he says, since I've started thinking about the story, I've gotten bi- um, I've gotten boils, piles, eye strains, stomach spasms and anxiety attacks yes? almost uh, becoming neurotic and uh, you know all the uh, mental uh, problems you know uh, you know manifesting themselves as physical ones okay and he says I think finally I am consumed by the thought that at a certain point we all become nothing more than dying animals okay? which means um, we actually come down to almost nothing at all because we're so consumed with this whole, uh, you know, this whole process of, uh, you know, creating a work. And, you know, he uses the word, I've just started thinking about the story. He hasn't even started writing about it. Okay. So, um, this just, you know, takes me, um uh, to an interview which i read um in last sunday's uh, tribune and this is an interview of avni uh you know doshi and we know that avni doshi's work you know which is a girl in white cotton um you know it's a 2020 novel and it has been it was long listed for the booker and it has been shortlisted now so it's a debut novel and um there's a lot of noise about it obviously because you know this young woman 38 year old is you know uh, you know tipped to be the booker you know so much uh, you know takes us uh, sort of a deja vu to arundhati roy you know debut novelist etc and um, when um, avni doshi was actually interviewed uh, you know she said that um, i mean Uh, you know, the process of writing is very, very uh, arduous, it's very difficult. And she said it took her seven years to write uh, the novel, and it took her eight drafts, okay? And she says when she submitted eight drafts, each draft was different from the other, and absolutely different, okay? So she was trying to explain that the process of writing is essentially difficult, lonely, and... uh, you know you don't know sometimes uh, most of the time probably where you're getting at that's why we have you know questions like writers block and difficulty in writing etc so um in fact there was another question uh, that was asked to her in an interview and uh, you know the question was uh, is your work autobiographical right and uh, you know she had to sort of uh, explain very clearly that no I have a very you know because the novel is about a very uncomfortable relationship between a mother and a daughter unconventional and uncomfortable and she says no no I have a very you know comfortable relationship with my mother and she says no this is not autobiographical at all okay so um, you know why was that uh, anchor interested to know whether it was autobiographical or not was that because the old anchor and all readers probably are very interested to know uh, you, you know, what is the reference of a particular writer's work, you know, and that brings us to the question of the reference of we, what is the reality upon which this work is based? And, you know, when we were children, we were taught a very simplistic definition of fiction that, you know, fiction is based on something that's not true or that's just imagined okay and that of course was a very oversimplistic uh you know essentialist kind of a definition because uh, uh you know we know that fiction can be based on so many things that are true so uh you know when uh, avni doshi you know was trying to explain you know, this is not autobiographical she was actually trying uh you know to explain that uh, there are many worlds that uh, you know and there are many realities which fiction uh, you know tries to bring about now i'm not saying that uh, you know Avni Doshi is a metaf- you know is a you know is a writer who uses metafiction that's not what i'm trying to say because i i haven't even read her book so i wouldn't be able to comment but the fact is that i'm trying to explain this question or this whole um, you know struggle that a writer has while uh, creating his or her work and that's essentially so um, that's essentially so painful sometimes, so lonely at sometimes, and also, uh, you know, exciting at at many, many other times. Kay? That's what probably the whole process of writing is all about. And when we examine metafiction, this is exactly what Patricia Waugh is going to say, that metafiction examines this question of how is reality to be represented? Yes, in what way and uh, what are the reference points? Okay. The last quotation um That I'll take is, you know, from uh, the French Lieutenant's Woman and it's on page 86 to 87, of course, by John Fowles. Uh, We have, I think, uh, chapter 13 as one of the works uh, of the unit in metafiction and John Fowles, of course, uh, using metafiction in a very, very fine manner. Uh, So he says fiction is woven into all. I find this new reality or unreality more valid. Yes, to at the use of this new reality or unreality. Okay, so there is, um, you know, in metafiction also this uh, playfulness, this kind of, uh, you know, irony, and uh, you know, John Fowles saying, you know, fiction is woven into all into all you know and there is you know there uh, there has been someone who says you know that all fiction is meta fiction all right so um, fiction woven into all and he says i find this new reality or unreality more valid right now um, after examining you know this uh, uh, all these quotations you know there's one which i left out because i wouldn't be able to take each and every word of 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 the essay i would not be able to finish uh you know, then uh, you know, uh, Patricia War begins with an analysis of the, uh, of these quotations. Okay, and she says that you know, if asked to point out the similarities amongst these quotations, and she uses the word disconcerting. You know, disconcerting selection of quotations and something is disconcerting when it unsettles you, when it, uh, you know, disturbs your sense of balance and peace or makes you very confused. And you'd find that these quotations are a mix of, uh, you know, being disconcerting and bordering on, uh, you know, a certain sense of being, uh, you know, unable to, uh, you know, write or even... The first sentence on that page. So, uh, she says, you know, if you had to look at the similarities amongst these disconcerting selections of quotations, uh, she said that, you know, most readers would be able to find, um, you know, certain similarities which would be very, very visible. All right. Now, the first thing she says that all these quotations talk of a celebration of the power of the creative imagination. So, undoubtedly, um, you know, creativity being celebrated, a certain exuberance, you know, in the celebration of the power of creative imagination. I mean, many of you here must be writing poetry or planning to write short stories, and uh, probably just you know, knowing the fact that you can write. Um, Uh, you know, would probably just fill you with a sense of exuberance. So she says there is a celebration of the power of the creative imagination. And um, that's very important because uh, we see that in the quotations. But along with it, you see, uh, there is an uncertainty about the validity of its representation. So you see, on the one hand you have an exuberance, you have a uh, you know, a celebration of the power of being creative, but you are also uncertain about the validity of the representation. And this is what metafiction addresses, that what is the validity of the reality that a writer wants to present in fiction. Okay, So you will always be uncertain about the validity. And whenever anyone is writing, uh, you know, uh, we have the writer's blog, And we have people, you know, giving up writing in between, throwing away their drafts, burning their papers, etc. You know, because they're not sure about themselves, and they're also not sure how the world would accept their representation of reality. And that's, uh, you know, the bottom of the whole idea of metafiction. Okay, so uh, uncertainty about these representations, the representation of reality through, of course, the use of, um, you know, or uh, the power of creative representation. Then she also says that there's another similarity between all the uh, quotations and she says that uh, it's, uh, you know, followed by an extreme self-consciousness about language, about literary form and the act of writing fiction. So she says if on the one hand you're, you know, always worried about how, uh, you know, your reality is going to be represented, you're also always self-conscious, see, um, as I said self-conscious self-reflexive you know so you're self-conscious about language uh, literary form and the art, uh, and the act of writing fiction. So, uh, you know, these are the very important things that a writer is, you know, often riddled with. You know, what kind of a language should I use? What literary form should be employed? And the act of writing fiction itself is so riddled with so many conundrums, so many, uh, you know, confusions and, uh, you know, so many contradictions that, uh, you know, Patricia War very um, systematically sort of brings about the similarities between all these uh, uh, quotations and uh, that, you know, shows uh, you know that she has been able to delineate that it is the celebration of the creative imagination. At the same time, it's the uncertainty of uh, the validity of these representations and also uh, an extreme, you know, she uses not self-consciousness, she uses extreme self-consciousness about what? About language, uh, about uh, literary form, and the act of writing fiction. Okay, so uh, you know, this is how she, you know, in a very systematic manner, she begins the essay. And of course, um, in the next paragraph, she's going to define, and that that um, definition of metafiction is is you know is so uh, you know pervasive and so popular that if anybody had to define metafiction, they'd say that you know it would be defined in the manner in which Patricia wore has done it. Okay, so um, this is what I did today um, in my class, and um, I you know, I hope I've been able to, uh, you know, try to be as representative as possible. But uh, you know. Uh, imitations are um, always fraught with their own uh, dangers and um, I hope I've not left out anything and uh, uh, please listen uh, you know to the podcast and uh, uh, try to understand it uh, well and while you do that please keep the text in front of you so that you know you're able to read you know, you know, in the language that Patricia War uh, wrote, and I think that is, uh, you know, uh, that's the way by which you'd be able to develop a certain mastery over the text. Um, so, um, I, I mean, I'll continue in my next class. Uh, thank you, and uh, I hope uh, you'd be able to come back with your. Uh, with, you know, your questions or your comments or any, uh, you know, discussion that we can also have after we, um, you know, finish or we are halfway through. Thank you. Thank you so much to the class. Um, Good evening, everyone. And um, uh, as I, I, you know, promised that I would... Good evening, everyone. And, um, uh, you know, just like I uh, promised, uh, since many of you uh, have gone, uh, you know, to appear for the NET exam uh, and were not able to attend the class, so I'm just recording this podcast uh, for the benefit of those who uh, could not attend the class. Uh, I'm pretty sure that um, all of you would have done well in the exam, uh, but of course, an exam. Uh, is, is is good only as good as uh, the result is. So it's going to be a wait, and I'm sure um, uh, you know they, uh, you know the results would be good. Uh, so today um, I'm going to begin with um, you know the section uh, which is um, introduction uh, to literary genres, rather the paper and the section which is um, or the unit rather unit two, which is metafiction and uh, I'll be, uh, you know, doing the part on metafiction and also uh, the unit on um, the comic books. Um, uh, Of course, I've already delivered my lecture in the class today and I cannot, uh, you know, completely claim that uh, this would be, uh, you know, um, exactly, uh, you know, like uh, uh, the the lecture that I delivered in the morning, but I try my best and uh, uh, you know, to use as much fidelity as possible so that I am able to, uh, you know, give you uh, the benefit of whatever I taught in the class in the morning. Um, I began uh, in the morning, too, by uh, reading out from, uh, you know, the syllabus and, uh, you know, the introductory paragraph, uh, which says that uh, the people will introduce students to some of the new genres that have overwhelmed the postmodern literary space. Okay? Uh, look, uh, you know, examine the use of the word "overwhelmed." You know, overwhelm is you know when uh, something comes, you know, so, um, so as to make you confused, or so as to make uh, you know it's so um, you know large and its expanse that uh, you know for a moment you're you know just put out of gear. So, uh, you know, the postmodern literary spaces had these kind of genres, which were unusual, which were very different, and uh, they make up for interesting study. Um, you know, there are another two things that I mentioned in the syllabus is uh, that, you know, the effort of, um, uh, you know, this uh, paper is to provide you a brief overview of the distinctive innovativeness and basic characteristics of the genre so see a very important aspect of any genre is its distinctive innovativeness i mean how innovative it is it you know how new how does it address uh, you know certain issues that are very very common in 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 literature and also obviously understanding its basic characteristics so um, Today, when we discuss uh, metafiction, uh, we are, uh, you know, going to try to do exactly what your syllabus intends, and that is understand the basic characteristics of metafiction, and also its distinctive innovativeness. You know, how is it different, say, from other genres, or how, uh, you know, does uh, it, um, um, you know, answer certain questions, etc. So these are the things actually going to be examined. Okay. Uh, before I, uh, you know, go into uh, the essay. Uh, you know, which is uh, uh, a part of a larger book. It's a chapter, actually, from uh, the 1984 book of Patricia Waugh, which is Metafiction, The Theory and Practice of Self-Conscious Fiction. All right. So that's the title of um, the, uh, you know, the the book. And uh, you see a very important uh, thing that's there in the book is uh, the title of the book is self-conscious fiction Okay, so we're going to look at metafiction uh, you know as being self-reflexive as being self-conscious as being uh, you know inward uh, looking etc uh, when we do the characteristics and we do um, you know the different aspects of metafiction um, you know Patricia war is um, you know she's a fellow of the British Academy and she's uh, uh, you know, uh, born in the 1950s, which uh, makes her uh, contemporary. Uh, she's a professor of literature at Durham University, and, uh, you know, she's 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 a brilliant, mm, uh, you know, um, intellectual historian. And, uh, you know, she joined the university and uh, became a professor in a very short while because of her uh, academic brilliance. And... Um, Patricia War is otherwise, you know, a literary critic, as I mentioned, she's an intellectual historian, and, you know, she's a leading specialist in modernist, post uh, postmodernist literature, feminist theory, intellectual history, and uh, post-war fiction and its political context, okay. So, these are the broad areas uh, in which, um, you know, she's Published books and uh, you know delivered a lot of lectures and uh, you know her work has uh, you know a kind of an expanse and has a kind of depth which is uh, quite incredible um, she is you know one of the first along with Linda Hutchin to work and write on metafiction. In fact, uh, you know, Patricia Waugh is considered to be almost, uh, you know, the pioneer uh, in working on, uh, you know, this question of metafiction. Uh, Patricia Waugh is also uh, deeply interested in science and um, has done a lot of work on, uh, you know, climate change and literature. And, uh, you know, for most of the time we would think that, uh, you know, the sciences and the humanities and the languages are so disparate Uh, in terms of entities, in terms of concerns that they address, Uh, but, um, you know, uh, Patricia Waugh seems to be doing, uh, uh, you know, a very intelligent and a very um, appropriate amalgamation of even science and literature. Um, You know, you'd see when you read the the essay, uh, you'll find all kinds of cross-references, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, nuclear physicists and to Bakhtin and to Sashore and others. And it just shows the wide kind of expanse that, uh, you know, War has. And uh, the essay, uh, you know, uh, is, is very interesting and it, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, it deals with great detail on this uh, question of what is metafiction and what does metafiction actually try to do? What does it try to achieve? Uh now before i go uh, into more detail about how patricia war sort of you know discusses and describes metafiction uh, i just thought of um, you know giving you a very basic kind of a definition because you know actually metafiction uh, you know metafiction is uh, is something that cannot be compartmentalized it's very difficult to give metafiction um you know, a singular kind of a definition, because there are just so many things in it. There's so many uh, characteristics, there's so many ways in which metafiction can be experimented with. So it's pretty difficult, actually, to give it a definition. But if we just try, uh, we can, you know, first examine the root of the word meta. Or meta, and that is Greek for after or beyond. Okay, so uh, it is a sort of a transcendence, uh, and it is going beyond. It is going, uh, you know, beyond that uh, just the confines of fiction. Okay, um, if we had to, or if I had to give you a very simple definition of metafiction, it's fiction that discusses, uh, describes, or analyzes a work of fiction, or the conventions of fiction. Okay. Now, uh, sometimes one would wonder that uh, you know this uh, definition doesn't sound anything like fiction. It almost sounds like non-fiction, or it almost sounds like theory. But an actuality, uh, you know, metafiction is that which really discusses, analyzes, and describes a work of fiction. Or the conventions of fiction. Okay, so you're moving away from just telling a story, or just uh, you know, crowding people around a plot, and you're actually analysing uh, the work, um, uh, and you're analysing um, the conventions of uh, fiction. Uh, there are some terms which are very uh, you know often used. To describe contemporary metafiction, uh, I mean, I'll just give you some of them. There are actually very many more, and uh, you know, you could say that metafiction is self-conscious, as um, is indicative in uh, P- you know Patricia was uh, the title of a book itself. Uh, metafiction is introspective; it is introverted; it's even narcissistic at times, and it's auto-representational so you see this whole idea of reflexiveness Yes, coming back uh, to an analysis of the work itself okay uh, now when we talk of metafiction uh, you know it started or the term was rather coined in 1970 uh, you know which makes it contemporary and new but uh, you know the trends of metafiction are uh, you know, very old, uh, you know, using these metafictional, um, you know, elements in a work are very old, uh, you know, for example, we have it in, um, you know, uh, Canterbury Tales by Chaucer, or, uh, you know, Cervantes' Don Quixote, and uh, even Jane Austen's Northanger Abbey, uh, you know, has mention of writing the novel by her narrator, okay, so you see, you uh, this kind of thing in which you have the narrator coming in and you know telling him or telling uh, something about himself or herself and making the reader aware that you know uh, there is more to this work of fiction than just plot okay uh, in fact um, you know, Dante is sometimes referred to as, uh, you know, the first autobiographical uh, metafiction writer, you know, uh, because he wrote a work like, um, uh, you know, the Divine Comedy, in which we see Dante himself is actually looking at himself, although it's represented as, uh, you know, uh, the universal pilgrim, uh, and you know he's, you know, we know that it's Dante, and he's taken by Virgil on this journey. Uh, you know uh, to the afterlife while he's actually alive Okay, so um, uh, these things are um, you know pretty um, common and these these uh, elements are uh, you know are visible uh, so very many times in fact even uh, mythological works like the Ramayana and the Mahabharata you know uh, you, which were written by Valmiki and Ved Vyas uh, you know they have the appearance of Vedvyas Vyas and Valmiki in the works themselves Okay, so uh, the, the work going sort of beyond, uh, you know, just being a creation of, uh, you know, Valmiki or uh, Ved Vyas. Okay, so, of course, there are very many conventions and these are just one of them. Okay, uh, John Barth, um, uh, you know, in fact, we have an essay of John Bath also in this um, unit. Uh, you know, he s- this says, you know, that, uh, or he describes metafiction as a novel that imitates a novel rather than the real world okay and this is actually the crux of the question of metafiction metafiction deals with actually the interpretation of the uh, of, of of the world or of reality okay and he says that you know a novel a metafiction is a novel that imitates a novel rather than the real world okay so uh, this is a very layered um, comment he makes on what actually metafiction is, it's like a, uh, you know, it's like a replication of another novel rather than the real world, although we do understand that uh, the novel and the real world are so closely tied together, okay? Uh, some more characteristics of uh, metafiction are intertextual references, um, allusions, and intertextual references we do understand, and um, you know, uh, very much a part of the postmodern narrative. Um, Allusions, Uh, an allusion is a reference to another literary work, which, uh, you know, also adds to intertextuality and uh, the richness of uh, plot and theme, etc. You also have incorporation of theory and criticism, okay. So this is also very important. Yes, theory and criticism incorporated in a work of fiction, yes, um, and otherwise we would think that they are very disparate. They are two, you know, very separate entities. On the one hand, we have fiction, and on the other hand, we have, say, uh, you know, uh, criticism and theory. Okay, uh, there are also, um, you know, characteristics like a creation of biographies of imaginary writers, you know, in metafiction, and you also have presenting and discussing fictional works of an imaginary character. So you're discussing some other fictional work of some other imaginary character. Okay? So uh, you are moving away from a sort of a very conventional way of telling a story and putting uh, you know, uh, many more different elements. Okay? Um, they also uh, sometimes directly address the reader. You know, you'd see a lot of this in uh, in uh, children's fiction also, that there is a direct address, okay? And uh, we shouldn't confuse here with point of view of first person, etc. Here there is a different kind of an addressing in which, uh, you know, the reader knows that uh, he or she is actually being addressed by the narrator. You also have, um, uh, you know, the the, uh, the writers or the authors involving themselves with fictional characters. There's a personal involvement with fictional characters. And uh, there's also a certain um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, in, in intrusion to comment on writing. Okay, So you uh, sort of are able to make out that there is, uh, you know, there is another entity which is actually the, uh, you know, the, the creator of that work who is either telling you, you t- trying to tell you something and, uh, you know, there's another uh, very important aspect which is trying to be told through metafiction is that there is no singular truth, you know. S- truth is never singular. So just like the postmodern narrative, there is no meta metanarrative, uh, there is fragmentation, there is parody, pastiche, etc. Because, uh, you know, there is nothing that can be declared as the only truth and that's what actually uh, you know metafiction does um, of course uh, you know um, metafiction also uh, you know examples are when uh, you know there is a person in the book who is reading a book which is about the same story. Okay, so you see there is a certain kind of a. Uh, sometimes it looks like a confusion, but it's actually a very very, uh, you know, systematic device to be able to be self reflexive. Yes, to be able to analyze the work and come back to it, uh, to be able to understand. What is the interpretation of reality? Actually, that is the basic idea of metafiction. Is, uh, you know, why are you writing in such a manner? You're actually trying to determine what reality is. And uh, I mean, we do understand that, you know, this question of what is truth and what is reality is something that has been handled and been tackled by philosophers for ages. Yes, this whole uh, question of, you know, Spinoza and Descartes and everybody else, they're questioning or they're trying to make out what is. Uh, uh, reality. What is the world outside the world of fiction? Okay, so um, there are some more, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, techniques and characteristics. I'll discuss them, um, you know, later uh, after we uh, do, uh, you know, the 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 essay, so that we can come back, uh, you know, and compare notes when we uh, are, you know, in between somewhere, and we can go back to some more characteristics of metafiction. Okay, so um, uh, you know, now I'd want to. Um, uh, you know, draw your attention to the, uh, the the chapter that is in our syllabus. And uh, I mean, I really hope that, uh, you know, all of you, even if you're lif- listening to the podcast, you must have the text with you. And, um, you know, I, I teach uh, children who are much younger than you. Uh, they come, you know, after they're plus two. And uh, whenever I do a short story or... Um, uh, you know, or a play, or a poem. I always insist that the text should be there. The text is the field, uh, you know, which gives you an exact feel of what uh, the, the writer is trying to convey. So Patricia Waugh is telling you something, and she tells you something not through... Uh, you know Harpreet Kaurvara, she's telling you something through the direct words that she uses in the text Okay, and I presume that probably uh, you know, some of you would have read the entire work, I presume that some of you plan to read it so the text is just very important and uh, while I do it uh, I think very essential for you to have the text to be able to follow along with me. Um, before I start I just want to you know Talk of three, um, you know, terms which are very important to understand metafiction, and uh, these three terms are that metafiction is self-reflexive, itself referential and self-conscious. Okay, which means uh, there is uh, this uh, whole idea of bringing the theory and practice of writing back to the uh, writer and trying to analyze. What the writer is trying to do in terms of interpretation of reality. Okay, how is it being interpreted and how is it being presented? Okay, um, I, I'd like to draw your attention to the title of um, uh, you know the essay or you know it's actually a chapter, and uh, look at the way um, you know Patricia War describes or you know she names the chapter, and uh, she says uh, you know what is metafiction. And why are they saying such awful things about it, okay? So when you look at the title, um, you see that there is a certain uh, playfulness in it. Um, You know, she's asking uh, a serious question, but she ends up, uh, uh, you know, saying a, a little playful thing about metafiction, okay, what is metafiction and why are they saying such awful things about it, yes, if, if you read it like that, yes, it sounds, um, you know, like a complaint and yet uh, you can make out that her tone has got some kind of irony, it has got some kind of playfulness in it and so we, what are we going to expect? Is that for the, uh, you know, for the initial part of the essay, uh, it's going to deal with the description. What is metafiction? What does it entail, etc.? And, uh, you know, the latter parts uh, are also going to talk of why people are making such a fuss about it. And uh, we do understand that whenever we have uh, anything uh, that's new uh, in in terms of genre, in terms of... uh, uh, you know, um, uh, political ideas, anything that's new, uh, it initially brings a sort of a resistance around and um, probably that's what happened with metafiction as well and uh, Patricia Moore attempts, uh, you know, to very systematically explain and also dismantle uh, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, misgivings that uh, many critics and even writers have about, uh, have about metafiction. Uh, uh, the essay is written in a in a very uh, systematic and in a very um, you know uh, in, in a she you know Patricia War tries to concretize the whole idea, but you know beginning with some quotes and then explaining what metafiction is and then what are the uh, you know criticisms against it and uh, you know she does it in uh, in in a way that is you know uh, easy to understand and also um, you know there is a certain kind of a. Uh, uh, depth in analysis when she uh, you know refers to various thinkers and various uh, you know people from other fields etc so I think uh, it would be you know delightful uh, to to, uh, analyze the essay definitely but to just read it is also uh, you know delightful and uh, you know what Patricia Waugh talks about she says whatever we do and however we understand metafiction the the bottom of it of course is is um, you know the question of what is reality and the second thing that is very very important is that it has to do with language yes? so ultimately we're coming to this question of language um, you know as being um, you know the means and the only means probably to be able to understand what reality is okay so um, the you know the essay begins with a question what is metafiction okay and she quotes or she gives four or five quotations um, all of them um, disparate different but uh, you know, after she uh, you know mentions the quotations, she's going to ask the reader or tell the readers rather, uh, you know, of this common thread that uh, you know one can discern from all these quotations. Okay, so I'll read. Um, I won't read all, I think I'll just leave out one, most of them I would, uh, and they're very interesting quotations. I'll begin with uh, Laurence Stern's Tristam Shandy. This is a quotation on page 438. Yes, just listen uh, to it carefully or read it along as um, I presume we have the text. The thing is this, that of all the several ways of beginning a book, which are now in practice throughout the known world, I am confident my own way of doing it is the best. I am sure it is the most religious. For I begin with writing the first sentence and trusting to Almighty God for the second. Okay? So look at the humor and look at the um, irony as well. Okay, So Lawrence Stern says, you know, there are several ways of beginning a book. We are not even talking of writing a book. Yes, we're talking of beginning a book and we do know that, um, you know, how beginnings of books become so important. Opening lines, you know, for example, of Anna Karenina. Um, So the beginning of the book is so important and he said there are many ways, you know, which are followed throughout the world. But he says, I'm very confident that I'm doing it the best. And he says it's the most religious. Why? Because I begin with writing the first sentence. And trusting to Almighty God for the second. So this divine intervention. You just write the first sentence, and everything else will follow. Okay. So this is Tristram Shandy. Uh, the second quotation is, uh, you know, from the work Albert Angelo by B. S. Johnson. And this is more. This is sharp. You know, it begins with an expletive, or it begins with "fuck all this lying." Look. What I'm really trying to write about is writing not all this stuff. Okay, uh, you you can even look at uh, you know uh, the punctuation yes where is it, not there where you think it should be, and he says all this lying. You know? He says this is all lying. Whatever I'm writing is actually a lie. He says what I'm really trying to write about is writing not all this stuff okay so very contradictory things what I am trying to write about is writing not all the stuff so which means that um, a writer is always um, and is so often uh, you know riddled with these questions of what to write how to write and when you look at it when you examine it very carefully it boils down to actually nothing but what is the writer Uh, You know, trying to interpret as reality? What is the writer trying to present as reality? I think that's the most important thing. Yes, I'll come to a detailed discussion of that after I read all the other quotations. And look at the third quotation. I find this the most um, interesting. And it is by Ronald Sukunik from The Death of the Novel and Other Stories. Okay. And, um, you know, this is what the writer says. Okay. He says, Since I've started thinking about the story, I've gotten boils, piles, eye strain, stomach spasms, anxiety attacks. Finally, I am consumed by the thought that at a certain point we all become nothing more than dying animals. So, uh, just look at the way the writer is, uh, you know, examining his or her state of mind. Since I've started thinking about the story, we're not even talking about writing the story. And he says, since I've started thinking about the story, I've gotten, bi- um, I've gotten boils, piles, eye strain, stomach spasms and anxiety attacks, yeah, almost uh, becoming neurotic. And, uh, you know, all the... Uh, mental uh, problems, you know, uh, you know, manifesting themselves as physical ones, okay, and he says, I think finally I am consumed by the thought that at a certain point we all become nothing more than dying animals, okay, which means um, we actually come down to almost nothing at all, because we are so consumed with this whole, uh, you know, this whole process of, uh, you know, creating a work and you know he uses the word I just started thinking about the story he hasn't even started writing about it okay so um, this just you know takes me um, to an interview which I read um, in last Sunday's uh, Tribune and this is an interview of Avni uh, you know, Doshi and we know that Avni Doshi's work you know which is a girl in white cotton um, you know uh, it's a 2020 novel, and it has been. It was longlisted for the Booker, and it has been shortlisted now. So it's a debut novel, and um, there's a lot of noise about it, obviously, because you know this young woman, 38-year-old, is you know uh, you know tipped to be the Booker. You know so much. Uh, you know takes us uh, sort of a déjà vu to Arundhati Roy. You know debut novelist, etc. And um, when um, Avni Doshi was actually interviewed, Uh, you know, she said that, um, I mean, uh, you know, the process of writing is very, very uh, arduous. It's very difficult. And she said it took her seven years to write uh, the novel and it took her eight drafts. Okay. And she says when she submitted eight drafts, each draft was different from the other and absolutely different. Okay. So she was trying to explain that the process of writing is essentially difficult, lonely, and, uh, you know you don't know sometimes uh, most of the time probably where you're getting at that's why we have you know questions like writers block and difficulty in writing etc so um in fact there was another question uh, that was asked to her in an interview and uh, you know the question was uh, is your work autobiographical right and uh you know she had to sort of uh, explain very clearly that no I have a very you know because the novel is about a very uncomfortable relationship between a mother and a daughter unconventional and uncomfortable and she says no no I have a very you know comfortable relationship with my mother and she says no this is not autobiographical at all okay so um, you know why was that uh, anchor interested to know whether it was autobiographical or not was that because the old anchor and all readers probably are very interested to know Uh, you, you know, what is the reference of a particular writer's work, you know, and that brings us to the question of the reference of being, what is the reality upon which this work is based? And, you know, when we were children, we were taught a very simplistic definition of fiction that, you know, fiction is based on something that's not true or that's just imagined okay and that of course was a very oversimplistic uh you know essentialist kind of a definition because uh, uh you know we know that fiction can be based on so many things that are true so uh, you know when uh, avni doshi you know was trying to explain that you know, this is not autobiographical she was actually trying uh, you know to explain that uh, there are many worlds that uh, you know, and there are many realities which fiction, uh, you know, tries to bring about? Now, I'm not saying that uh, you know Abdi Doshi is a metaf- you know, is a you know is a writer who uses metafiction. That's not what I'm trying to say because I I haven't even read her book, so I wouldn't be able to comment. But the fact is that I'm trying to explain this question or this whole um, you know struggle that a writer has while uh, creating his or her work, and that's essentially so. Um, that's essentially so painful sometimes, so lonely at sometimes, and also, uh, you know, exciting at, at many, many other times. Kay? That's what probably the whole process of writing is all about. And when we examine metafiction, this is exactly what Patricia Waugh is going to say, that metafiction examines this question of how is reality to be represented? Yes, in what way and uh, what are the reference points? Okay, The last quotation um that I'll take is, you know, from uh, the French Lieutenant's Woman, and it's on page 86 to 87, of course, by John Fowles. Uh, We have, I think, uh, chapter 13 as one of the works uh, of the unit in metafiction, and John Fowles, of course, uh, using metafiction in a very, very fine manner. Uh, So he says, fiction is woven into all. I find this new reality or unreality more valid, yes, look at the use of this new reality or unreality, okay, so there is, um, you know, in metafiction also this uh, playfulness, this kind of, uh, you know, irony, and, uh, you know, John Fowle saying, you know, fiction is woven into all into all you know and there is you know there uh, there has been someone who says you know that all fiction is meta fiction all right so um, fiction woven into all and he says i find this new reality or unreality more valid right now um, after examining you know this uh, uh, all these quotations you know there's one which i have left out because i wouldn't be able to take each and every word of 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 the essay i would not be able to finish uh you know, then uh, you know, uh, Patricia War begins with an analysis of the uh, of these quotations. Okay, and she says that you know, if asked to point out the similarities amongst these quotations, and she uses the word disconcerting. You know, disconcerting selection of quotations, and something is disconcerting when it unsettles you, when it, uh, you know, disturbs your sense of balance and peace or makes you very confused. And you'd find that these quotations are a mix of, uh, you know, being disconcerting and bordering on, uh, you know, a certain sense of being, uh, you know, unable to, uh, you know, write or even... first sentence on that page. So, uh, she says, you know, if you had to look at the similarities amongst these disconcerting selections of quotations, uh, she said that, you know, most readers would be able to find, um, you know, certain similarities which would be very, very visible. All right. Now, the first thing she says that all these quotations talk of a celebration of the power of the creative imagination. So, undoubtedly, um, you know, creativity being celebrated, a certain exuberance, you know, in the celebration of the power of creative imagination. I mean, many of you here must be writing poetry or planning to write short stories and uh, properly just, you know, knowing the fact that you can write um, Uh, you know, would probably just fill you with a sense of exuberance. So she says there is a celebration of the power of the creative imagination. And um, that's very important because uh, we see that in the quotations. But along with it, you see, uh, there is an uncertainty about the validity of its representation. So you see, on the one hand, you have an exuberance, you have a, uh, you know, a celebration of the power of being creative, but you're also uncertain about the validity of the representation. And this is what metafiction addresses: that what is the validity of the reality that a writer wants to present in fiction? Okay, so you'll always be uncertain about the validity, and whenever anyone is writing, uh, you know, uh, we have the writer's blog and we have people, you know, giving up writing in between, throwing away their drafts, burning their papers, etc. You know, because they're not sure about themselves and they're also not sure how the world would accept their representation of reality. And that's, uh, you know, the bottom of the whole idea of metafiction, okay. So, uh, uncertainty about these representations, the representation of reality through, of course, the use of, um, you know, or uh, the power of creative representation. And then she also says that there's another similarity between all the uh, quotations and she says that uh, it's, uh, you know, followed by an extreme self-consciousness about language, about literary form and the act of writing fiction. So she says if on the one hand you're, you know, always worried about how, uh, you know, your reality is going to be represented, you're also always self-conscious. See, um, As I said, self-conscious, self-reflexive, you know, so you're self-conscious about language, uh, literary form and uh, and the act of writing fiction. So, uh, you know, these are the very important things that a writer is, you know, often riddled with. You know, what kind of a language should I use? What literary form should be employed? And the act of writing fiction itself is so riddled with so many conundrums, so many, uh, you know, confusions, and, uh, you know, so many contradictions that, uh, you know, Patricia Waugh very um, systematically sort of brings about the similarities between all these. Uh, uh, quotations, and uh, that you know shows uh, you know that she has been able to delineate that it is the celebration of the creative imagination. At the same time, it's the uncertainty of uh, the validity of these representations, and also uh, an extreme. You know, she uses not self consciousness; she uses extreme self consciousness about what, about language, uh, about uh, literary form and the act of writing fiction Okay, so uh, you know uh, this is how she in a very systematic manner she begins the essay and of course um, in the next paragraph she's going to define and that that um, definition of metafiction is is you know is so uh, you know pervasive and so popular that if anybody had to define metafiction, they'd say uh, that you know it would be defined in the manner in which Patricia war has done it okay so um, this is what I did today um, in my class, and um, I, you know, I hope I've been able to, uh, you know, try to be as representative as possible, but, uh, you know, uh, imitations are um, always fraught with their own uh, dangers, and um, I hope I've not left out anything, and uh, uh, please listen, uh, you know, to the podcast and uh, uh, try to understand it uh, well, and while you do that, please keep the text in front of you so that, you know, you're able to read you know, you know, in the language that Patricia War uh, wrote, and I think that is, uh, you know, uh, that's the way by which you'd be able to develop a certain mastery over the text. Uh, so, um, I, I mean, I'll continue in my next class. Uh, thank you, and uh, I hope uh, you'd be able to come back with your. Uh, with, you know, your questions or your comments or any, uh, you know, discussion that we can also have after we, um, you know, finish or we are halfway through. Thank you. Thank you so much to the class.